May I speak to you in the name of the Trinity. Amen. One of the things I remember most about my first year in seminary was the excitement I felt listening to the second and third years as they were talking about their field ed placements. The initial year of seminary is centered around biblical studies, but later years shifts more and more to work out in the community. The gift of attending a non-denominational seminary like Union is that you have so many different voices and points of view. I remember one classmate especially vividly because his aspiration was to go to Fort Benning and protest outside the notorious School of the Americas and to get arrested. Listening to my fellow students offered countless opportunities for discernment around my own sense of call. The practical information that we got from other students was great, but more importantly, we learned that there are many, many kinds of ministry, not just ordained ministry and service in a parish. So I want to talk about vocational discernment in the gospel text from Luke today with the hope that we can ditch the guilt-inducing implication that one way of being is better than another whenever we hear the words Mary and Martha. I also hope that we can abolish the harmful interpretation that relegates Martha to being just another woman complaining about trivial things. There's a much richer way to hear this story, one that reminds people of all genders that no calling is more valid or better than others. And real discernment, real listening, is the key to knowing how each of us is uniquely called to serve God in this world. As soon as I saw that this was the passage for today, my mind immediately went to an interpretation I had read several months ago, and I started searching for it frantically. With the help of another Union Seminary grad, who answered my appeal on Facebook, I found it. This interpretation comes from a theologian named Mary Stromer Hansen, who wrote her master's thesis on this short passage. I also consulted Amy Jill Levine's excellent book on the Gospel of Luke, and Levine's own analysis of the Greek supports Hansen's findings. So let's begin with the first few sentences. Would it surprise you to learn that even though Jesus was traveling with a group of disciples, the Greek text clearly tells us that he alone enters the house of Martha where she welcomed him. Not a whole group of disciples and Jesus, just Jesus. 
So let's start by realizing that the whole idea that Martha is getting ready to feed a large crowd dinner is not in the text. In the next sentence, we hear that Martha has a sister named Mary, but our translation leaves out a word, the word also, which is present in the Greek. So what the sentence says is, she had a sister named Mary who also sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to what he was saying. That word also tells us many things. First of all, that Martha and Mary were both disciples of Jesus. Additionally, it very subtly implies that Martha might have been his disciple first. That's an important thing to think about, and I'll get back to it in a little bit. Including the word also tells us that we are not talking about Mary literally sitting at Jesus's feet that very evening. The term sitting at the feet of someone means they're the disciple of that person, not that they're sitting at that person's feet at the moment this story is happening. This phrase was a very common way to identify someone as a follower of a particular teacher in the ancient world. The reason we don't hear Mary speak in this passage is because she isn't there. Can we see now how leaving out that one key word, also, leads to a very patriarchal interpretation? In English, it makes it sound like a doe-eyed Mary is passively listening to Jesus. But that's not what the text says. This sentence is saying that both sisters were full-fledged disciples and followers of Jesus, period, full stop. Now that we've established that Jesus came into the house alone and that Mary was not there, we can understand that this was a private conversation between Jesus and Martha. The next sentence tells us in our translation that Martha was distracted by many tasks, making it sound like she was busy in the kitchen and setting the table, sweeping the floor, getting ready for a dinner party. Because of this, our translation erases the reality that Martha was in actuality much more likely running a full-time parish ministry in her neighborhood, feeding the poor, giving water to the thirsty, clothing the naked, healing the sick, visiting prisoners, and welcoming the stranger. The verb translated as distracted also means greatly troubled, in other words, dealing with very persistent, real-time stress. And what was Martha greatly troubled by? 
The burden of diaconia, in other words, ministry, not tasks. Let's just imagine if this story was about a fictitious brother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who was running a house church. Do any of us honestly think that the word diaconia would have been translated as tasks? Of course not. But what better way to obfuscate and dismiss the reality of full-time engaged and empowered women disciples of Jesus than to translate things in a way that makes it sound like Martha was just complaining about doing women's work. Because we all know how undervalued women's work is. Dismissing Martha's active local ministry as trivial women's work then encourages, it sets us up to hear Jesus' repetition of Martha's name twice in an equally dismissive way. It's like a first century version of there, there, little lady, patting Martha on the head. And every woman and every man in this world knows what that really means. Stop being such a complaining harridan and stay silent as a good woman should. Are any of you now as frustrated with our translation as I am? I mean, super exasperated. So Martha in a private conversation, confronts Jesus and demands that he tell Mary to help her. Too often we are told that this is Martha triangulating with her sister and Jesus in a rivalry between the sisters. But I hear it very differently. Remember, we've established that Mary isn't there. So what is Martha talking about? It is, of course, possible that Mary used to help Martha in running an active local ministry. That would make sense, especially if we realize that Martha may have been a follower of Jesus first. After all, Jesus tells the disciples they need to minister two by two. They aren't supposed to do things alone. Ministers need support. Ministry happens in community. So where is Mary, and why isn't she helping anymore? Well, hang on. We all know the answer to that question. Other gospel passages tell us that Mary is on the road with Jesus. So she's doing a different kind of ministry, a ministry that suits her gifts. Instead of parish ministry, Mary was out driving other women across state lines to get the abortion care they needed, putting her own body on the line by lying down in the street to block traffic during climate protests, speaking and preaching out loud in front of strangers. 
What else do we know from other gospel stories? That being on the road in that time was a very dangerous thing. We heard all about that just last week in the story of the Samaritan. It was even more dangerous if you were a woman. Could it be that Martha wasn't really upset that Mary was no longer running their mutual ministry together? Could it be that Martha was just worried sick that her younger sister was going to be killed? I think so. What if Martha was just asking Jesus to tell Mary to come home and do something that would be more safe? When we hear it in this way, then when Jesus answers Martha by calling her name twice, he's no longer belittling Martha or demeaning her distress. He's trying to get her to be present in her body and recognize her fear for what it is so that her fear will not get in the way of her own sense of clarity and of purpose. He's asking her to listen to God and to know with her own fine sense of discernment. To, he knows that if she does this, she will realize that Mary is exactly where Mary needs to be. So was it true that Mary was in more danger than Martha? Likely so. But was it therefore the right thing for Mary for Jesus to tell her to go home? No. Mary's living out her own calling. Okay, but wait. Doesn't the text say that Mary chose something better? Actually, no. In the Greek, Jesus tells Mary that Martha has chosen a good portion. Our translation's rendering of this as better is to me yet another patriarchal choice that leads us right back to imagining Mary as a submissive good girl being silent and sitting at Jesus's feet like a proper woman should. The truth is that Mary's ministry is neither more or less important than Martha's. It's just different. Both ministries are valid and suited to the individual people doing them. And Jesus will not take either of them away from what they do best. Jesus will not call Mary home and tell her to be safe and quiet. And he will not belittle Martha and silence her either, because he sees her. He knows how important her work is. And he also knows that she can't do it well if she's worried sick about her sister. So Jesus is calling Martha back into her body, her own reality, her own sense of groundedness. He wants her to feel her way out of fear-based reactionary thinking. 
What a world of difference it makes when we hear this story in that light. It opens up so many possibilities, most especially the reality of women preaching and teaching and being active disciples and ministers in their own right in the church, not shoved aside as mere helpmeets for men. What a different legacy of women's discipleship we could have had through the last two millennia had we heard this story without the patriarchal overlay. An overlay that robs people of all genders of the grounding, empowering message of deep discernment at the heart of this story. So to all the Marys out there, don't let anyone tell you to sit down and be silent. Don't let them send you home. Keep on speaking out. Keep on bringing that gospel message to the world. And all the Marthas out there, don't let anyone belittle what you do. Keep those soup kitchens open. Keep your parishes going. Yours is not the lesser portion, and no one should take it away from you. We need all of it. Amen.